0: Having a strategy for diversity, equity, and inclusion is more than just the right thing to do. When done well, it can be a powerful motivating force for companies' employees and can drive better health outcomes. Here to talk about putting DEI efforts to work for the benefit of everyone in the health ecosystem is GoodRx Healthcare President Bansi Naji. Bansi, an MM&M Pinnacle Award honoree, will discuss how GoodRx's approach improves transparency, increases scale. And moves beyond employees in its DEI efforts, all while better serving its customers and other stakeholders. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today, and also congratulations on your MMM Pinnacle Award. Thank you, and thank you for recognizing me. I really appreciate that. So the Pinnacle Award is uh, granted to someone who we feel is at the at the, the peak of their career, right? You know, not that it's all downhill from there, no, yeah, but man. you've you've uh, uh, enjoyed significant accomplishments. Can you tell me a little bit about your background? Uh, what's brought you to this position at GoodRx? Uh, yeah,
1: I've had a um, kind of long journey to this point, but effectively, I've spent the last 25 to 30 years in and around healthcare care. Uh, I was originally a strategy consultant and working for a lot of life sciences companies, and what I really liked about working in healthcare was I felt like we were working on really hard problems. but I also really thought the caliber of people in the industry was high, so that was sort of where my gravitational pull was. Um, I had a long career in strategy consulting, and then uh, got pulled, um, got recruited for a job as head of strategy and M&A at McKesson, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the largest healthcare services companies, and obviously very big part of the pharma supply chain. And I went there for five and a half years and, and worked on a lot of strategy issues, M&A, but all in the healthcare space. So I just was really following that passion in healthcare, and. Um, at a point in 2020, I got recruited into GoodRx, who was scaling rapidly. I got asked to come across as president healthcare uh, and work with the team there on helping uh, build out a manufacturer solutions business and working with PBMs and retailers. And I've just, I've just had a lot of fun doing it, working with great people. I think we're working on important issues in the world. What we're really trying to do, we started up as a mission-driven company that was really trying to address a health equity challenge. And what we did was we did that by using consumer tools, people outside of healthcare using consumer tools to bring a consumer solution to a problem that was really challenging. At that point, getting access for uninsured patients, primarily, to low-cost generic drugs at a pharmacy of their choosing in their community. So we believe, and everyone at GoodRx can recite this to you, everyone deserves affordable and convenient healthcare. What are you working on now? Well, my main focus right now is really trying to build out our manufacturer-facing solutions for GoodRx. Uh, GoodRx is known primarily as a solution for generic cash pay at retail pharmacy, um, but one of the things we're really well known for in patients' minds, r- uh, pharmacists' minds, providers' minds is as an affordability solution, and we're leveraging that into the branded world uh, and creating programs directly for manufacturers to get the best prices to patients, and you know that's been really an amazing... Uh, endeavor we've been scaling rapidly and I think we're getting a lot of traction.
0: So with your background in M&A, as you mentioned, um, that suggests that you're, you've made a lot of deals. Do you have a, a philosophy about deal making?
1: Well, you know, my background was originally in strategy and I sort of added M&A as a capability down the line. And look, I'm just a very big believer that M&A has to follow strategy. So. You know, one of, I thought at McKesson, was, we were extremely disciplined about laying out a strategic roadmap for the company, looking where our gaps were in capabilities. We were always looking to see if it was better to build or buy those capabilities. And we just had a very disciplined roadmap about the areas we wanted to pursue, the deals we thought made sense. And then when it comes to identifying deals, obviously you spend a lot of time thinking about the financial profile and is it accretive. But, um, you know, my own philosophy is that you really have to make the people integration work and the business integration work. So I think one of the things I brought to the deals I worked on was a lot of thinking about how the companies would work together and how you could get the teams working together. And if there's not a good fit on the teams and the product offerings, then the deal doesn't work out the attractive bits financially.
0: So it's really interesting that you mentioned people because that's kind of, uh, you've got a reputation for... Uh, for being someone who attracts a lot of talent. How do you balance that, uh, the, the needs of your team with the needs of the business? And how do you create a culture that can serve both of those masters?
1: I think it's, um, well, thanks for saying that about the talent. I think it's a lesson I've learned in the last few years. I, I don't think I was as good at it earlier on in my career. I was um, very much focused on getting the task done early in my career and pointing the teams at the task. And I think in the last 10 years, as I've sort of scaled my roles, I've become really aware that you can only really scale your own impact if you can scale the impact of those around you. So I've really tried to attract the best people. Mm -hmm. I think the best people can develop into all sorts of roles so you don't always get the perfect fit for the initial role. The best people accelerate really fast and take on more and more responsibility. I've been lucky that all the places I've worked have attracted good talent because of the brand names of the companies with. And as I've gotten to work with many of those people, some of them have followed me from company to company. And that makes me really proud that they wanna come join me at the next place. And um, uh, I've been really lucky. Good people, help them be really good at their jobs, get out of the way, help them when they need it. That's my philosophy.
0: How does DE&I figure into that philosophy?
1: Well, uh, I believe that working in healthcare uh one of the most important things we have to think about externally is driving health equity Uh, making sure our solutions are available to all populations and as you know many populations are underserved don't have access to the best healthcare. i've always really believed that creating a diverse workplace environment does two things for us i think first of all it's more enjoyable for the folks that are on the team and secondly i do think it enables us to go execute externally on health equity issues. If we resemble the customers we're trying to serve, I think it makes us better able to be empathetic towards them, to be creative in trying to find solutions that will work for all populations. And uh, you know, I've not really approached uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion through quotas or anything like that. I've always tried to recruit the best people based on talent. I've tried to give everyone fair opportunity to express themselves in the way that's most helpful. And I think in certain situations, uh, added sponsorship and mentorship can get some people who would not naturally shine um, the best opportunities to be them best selves. And I think you get the best work out of people when you do that. I do think it's more enjoyable being around people who feel like they're being stretched and are being treated fairly. And that's been a big part of how I've
0: thought about my leadership. If you you had any advice, one piece of advice that you would give a peer uh, at another company uh, or um, people you're mentoring within the good RX organization, what would that one piece of advice be about be about hiring and uh, diversity? Um, I
1: think it's, I think it's really important to be ruthless about finding best talent, best potential. Um, I do think that's uh, you know, the number one goal. And secondly, I think if you're trying to achieve objectives that create, a traditionally more diverse workforce i think you always have to catch yourself in your decision making i always ask myself the question if i am i demonstrating some implicit bias if i'm making a decision either to promote someone or to compensate someone a certain way or to hire somebody and that's a question i ask myself and i'm trying to catch myself to make sure that i'm not doing something implicitly that um has skewed my decision making and i think it's a it doesn't make life more time consuming. I think it just helps the quality of decision making around people. And I do think it leads to fairer
0: outcomes. So you said that you had joined um, GoodRx in 2020, um, right at the the start of the pandemic. Um, What have you seen since then um, that kind of influences your thought, your philosophy about how to lead? Well,
1: yeah, my timing was uh, I joined GoodRx three months after the pandemic started. The company at that point was around 150 people. It grew very, very rapidly. So it's you know four or five times as large now. And a lot of those people got hired during COVID. So I myself joined the company remotely. Uh, didn't get a chance to interact with my teams, was interacting on Zoom like everybody was at that time, but I was joining a new company and I was hiring people into the company who are joining remotely. And I think we've adapted really well to that. As everybody knows, we can, we've learned to work remotely. But I do think that the cultural glue that comes from being in a room together and really getting to know people yeah. and spending time mm-hmm. having a coffee or a drink after work, um, I think we lost something in the connectedness. And I think it's taken a long time to rebuild that. And I think it's taken some people longer to really orient, get to know the company well, create the relationships across the company. And I can see even as um, the, the, the sort of restrictions have opened up and we've done more in person um, work together, that the acceleration in some people's careers, is incredible just from having that connectedness and being able to work side by side with the teams. And I think, look, Zoom was a, you know, I'm really appreciative we had Zoom when COVID started, but it's a very inefficient way of collaborating. Um, you lose some of the, Um, nuances of creating glue and culture you know so one of the observations I had when I started working remotely uh, as we all did was small thing people didn't introduce themselves at the beginning of meetings they just got going at the appointed hour and they were so busy that everyone just got going so you'd be on these calls where you knew people's names because you could see the tile in zoom but you You'd not had a handshake. Who is You'd this say, guy? Yeah, where are you from? Where did you work? Did you learn something about them, and it's taken a long time to sort of build that sort of picture in your head of the people that work
0: around us. So, you know, you mentioned Zoom, which is, uh, which was sort of a, a business saving, if not a life saving technology, but one that came with, you know, some challenges. And you know, everybody now is talking about AI. You know, whether it's uh, it's about content creation uh, or whether it's about creating illustrations or things like that. What do you see as the future uh, of AI in GoodRx's business and in healthcare uh, in general?
1: Yeah, look, I I share all of the enthusiasm and dread that everybody has in our business around AI. Uh, Look, healthcare's had intelligent tools around it forever. And I think we should think about AI as part of our toolkit for ways in which we get better outcomes to patients. And if we can do that and do that more effectively, more affordably, I think that will be incredible. I think there'll be lots of opportunities for AI to be a tool, for example, to help with the trillions of dollars that are in the healthcare system that are focused on billing and payments and things like that. I think think it can be a helpful complement to human intervention on diagnosis, Mm -hmm. treatment decisions. I think it could be really helpful for patients to get advice so they understand when to go to the physician so I, I think there's lots of opportunity mm-hmm. i think we'll you know as everyone we will have to wait and see um in my mind the goal should always be how to get the best treatment to the patient mm-hmm. most effectively and most uh, efficiently and if it can help do that then
0: i think we've all got great opportunities ahead any fearless predictions for the future of healthcare
1: no i i, I just think it's an exciting time in healthcare i think the and I'm particularly focused on the pharmaceutical uh, supply chain and that part of it. And I think the innovation that I'm hearing about that's coming from pharma companies is so exciting. And the fact that we can help get those to patients more affordably, I think is really remarkable.
0: This was a great conversation. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk. Thanks, I really appreciate Congratulations it. Congratulations again on your uh, MM&M Pinnacle Thank award. you.